If you're an Android user and you're looking for the perfect way to listen to your Novampire podcasts, check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There are thousands of good reviews touting all of the special features. I like how you favorite your shows so they show up when new episodes have been uploaded. Check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. It's Count Podula. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Count Chocula, (laughs) Count Podula, Count Dracula. Well, I am one of those three, so obviously uh, this is going to be a little skewed in my references, (laughs) but um, I think you kill Dracula... You bone Chocula and you marry Podula. See, I want to marry Count Chocula because I want I want Count Chocula always. <laughs> well, it'd be weird if you picked you wanted to marry the one that was me for like a whole number of well, reasons. Yeah. So I don't know about the kayfabe implications. <laughs> um, welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who knows that if you get turned into a vampire, it shouldn't be that easy to get turned back out of being a vampire, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano, lots of low stakes here. Lots of low, low <laughs> stakes. Yeah, I, so, um... I had seen this movie years ago, which now seems like a miracle because it is astoundingly difficult. Like, you cannot legally rent, stream, or purchase this movie. That always seems crazy to me. Like, at least make it available to rent on, like, Amazon or something. That can't cost anything. I'm in total agreement. It's crazy that you can't get it. My the confu- I I like tried to solve this mystery. By the way, like I went digging into like who owns this movie. It was a De Laurentiis uh, production, which means you know our old Paldino is involved. But I like went digging around beyond that. But there's so many movies that, that they made that are just wide. Like they, they made Bill and Ted. Like it's widely available. So I I don't know if it's some bizarre situation where this particular movie ended I'm up being. Old Dino isn't like hey. For every, you know, purchase of a season of Giada's Home Cooking, you get one of my shitty movies. You have to take one of my shitty movies, too. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure Dino is long dead. Like, I, how, was he, like, old, old when, when he was making these? He died 10 years ago, oh. and he was born in 1919. So, yes, to both questions. <laughs> he died at 91, 10 years Good ago. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, but... It's crazy that this movie is so it's so impossible to have. Like the the Blu-rays out of print, it costs like nearly a hundred dollars. The, the the VHS tapes of this go for fifty bucks. Like, cr- I mean, I'm sure you can buy them cheaper than that. But the the point is, this is a pretty good movie by an absolute powerhouse director who who has won an Academy She's Award. Like the only a major woman director. Yeah, the only woman to ever win an Academy Award for directing, and it's like you just this movie just might as well not exist. Bill Bill uh, Bill Paxton's in it. It's like real people are in this movie, and it's just impossible to find. But anyway, we watched Near Dark, the nineteen eighty seven vampire cult classic. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the eighties. It's your kind of an allegory for addiction. Something's gonna be about your kind of an allegory for addiction. And the mega powers expire. 
So uh, I didn't intend to make this the cult classic vampire month, but it did sort of accidentally happen that way. I think this feels more culty than um, than Creep Show. Nope. Creep Night. Fright Night. Fright Night. <laughs> You're confusing Night of the Creeps, which is an absolute stay tuned. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like both of these movies could be a late night double feature at a nerdy theater. I could I absolutely totally see, see that, that yeah. being like a 10 and a 12 or a, drive-in. Or a 12 and a 2 or yeah, this could be a great drive-in double feature. Although, again, it's probably impossible given how hard it is to track down this movie. I think they're both sort of... This movie is not fun, but it is really, really cool and has that element of sort of essential weirdness that makes things culty. It is pretty cool. And yeah, I can see that. But I think my problem is that it's not its not very interesting. Like, there's so yeah. much potential there and there's so many interesting things and this movie just chooses to do nothing with it. Do you think it's because so much of the stuff in this movie has been taken and put into other things that it sort of dulls it? Is it one of those, you know, you go rewatch uh, the originator of something, not saying this movie is necessarily the originator of any of the things in it, but I think it does do those things that feel like tropes in an interesting way. And then you watch it and you're like, Oh, this is that trope. This is that trope. And at the time, I don't think know that it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. It hadn't become a trope yet. Maybe that's entirely possible. But I think for me, it's just, it was that it felt very, very middling, very low stakes. Hang on. I wrote it down. It's very weird. Middle of the road mishmash of a movie. Is what I said mm. because it's got some. It has a few cool ideas, but it, I I don't think there is they're executed as well as they could be. And you sometimes you kind of get left with this muddy mess of like, oh, these characters are in love, or these characters like I I I wanted to learn more about this vampire clan that we hang out with and like why they're all t- like why do they stay together like what what is stopping someone one of them from being like fuck off i'm leaving and just like going to do their own thing in like washington or maine or something yeah i i do think there is a more interesting version of this movie that's like maybe 10 percent different than what is in the movie but what I, I what i like about this movie is one it's a first film and i think there's something really cool about watching first films from a director who has yet to come into their own well, especially um, something so different th- than what they kind of her oeuvre kind of became. So I I agree with you in principle, but I will make this one point that I think is interesting to me, at least it's that Catherine Bigelow, the director of this movie, I'm not sure we had said her name yet, which is a travesty, but um, (laughs) she, I feel directs movies that you would think of as being guy movies. And I don't say that derogatorily, but they have this sort of like, testosterone energy of their zero dark 30 there's this the inherent, but yeah there's like this inherent male um like testosterone energy get, out of them can i get a large pizza with testosterone <laughs> <laughs> extra cheese uh, extra light tes- sauce <laughs> lots of testosterone <laughs> But I think it's really interesting, like, she makes movies that would, that should have this energy of being deeply sort of masculine, and and masculine in the, like, very traditional way of, like, muscles and punches and, and whatnot. But 
she tells those stories. She did end with up married m- to noted tyrant and monster James Cameron, who has himself created yes. several of those movies you're describing. Yes. And so th- the thing that I think is interesting is this movie has this sort of soft caramel center in the middle of its hard candy shell, as does Point Break. And I, I confess, I have not seen everything that she's ever done. I've never seen The Hurt Locker uh, or Zero Dark Those 30, movies but- are just, I, I know they're, they're not made for me. Like, I know that they're not, they're not my jam. So I haven't bothered. I I agree with you, but I, but watching this made me wonder if I was incorrectly writing those movies off because of what I thought they were. Because I do think, at least using this movie and Point Break as examples, she does a really interesting sort of character-driven movie wrapped inside a really intense energy of masculinity and, and maleness in the narrative. Like, the narrative is about this mostly male vampire clan and they're sort of who has the bigger balls energy, which is also sort of the, the point break thing of like, you know, the, it's a, you know, uh, Swayze's gang of dudes is all like surfer dudes. So they're a little chilled out, but they're still this sort of like intense masculine energy. And she's telling this sort of soft story inside that, which is the relationship between Keanu and, Swayze. Uh, Swayze, which, yeah, it's such a bummer that that movie is from 1991 because it is such an 80s like, energy in everything about it. Uh, it would be such a fun movie to do a podcast on. But anyway, I was just thinking about that, that, that she has this sort of and, – and that's not to say that, like, it's because she's a woman or anything like that. But I just – it's interesting to me that she is able to tell this sort of – more interesting character driven story inside a shell of like the movie that you think this is and the movie that it actually is are somewhat different. And I wonder if that's part of the reason it's, it seems not fully together for you. Uh, That's entirely possible. I, 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 yeah, I'm sure she wanted to be more wants to tell, wanted to tell more, but if it's not written, there's only so much she can do. Right. Right. And I do the other like the other thing about this movie that I really love is there's just like five or six scenes or shots that I just I just want to sit and look at you know what I mean mm-hmm. just like I'll just live here Frankly, for a little while I, and I'm I happy think, to do that I don't want to spoil anything yet I mean whatever but I think the I I will say the a praise I can give the movie is that I think the bar scene could be its own short film. Oh, for sure. And I think that's probably what this movie gets sold on. Like, I, I have no knowledge of this. I have seen that scene. But as soon as they came into the bar, I was like, oh, wait a minute. <clears throat> I've seen the climax with Bill Paxton on the bar kicking glasses. And I don't know. I think it's in a cracked video or. It, it could definitely be that. The other thing I would think would be a potential answer would be one of those Bravo countdowns of the scariest movie moments and whatnot. Maybe. Or one of the addendums. Yeah. It's it's entirely possible. I I did forget while I was talking about Catherine Bigelow. The other movie of hers that I've seen is Blue Steel, which is very underseen, but I think you would really enjoy. It's Jamie Lee Curtis as a police officer, and she's being stalked by uh, who's the the male lead? Oh, uh, Ron Silver, who uh, you definitely would recognize as sort of a character guy, and uh, sure. may know beyond that, but. Uh, I'm not going to dig into this, guys. And Clancy Brown is also in that. But I saw Blue Steel when I was on uh, vacation in Texas. And although that movie is not set in Texas, watching this movie, it was like this weird confluence of all my personal Catherine Bigelow 
touches where it's like, oh, this reminded me of being on vacation in Texas and I watched the you know Blue Steel and all that stuff because uh, this movie is so explicitly Texas. But anyway, let's get into Near Dark a little bit and just start rolling through the plot. We can come back to the other things. I do think Blue Steel aligns with my thought of, even though it's a woman as the cop in the center of it, that it could easily be a very masculine story, but instead it's this sort of like character thing. And I think that's an interesting way to tell these kinds of stories that I would like to explore more. So maybe I will pick up the Hurt Locker at some point. I just, it's like, boy, boy, do I not want to watch a movie about military bomb diffusers. (laughs) That like you could, if if you're playing like family feud style, name it, name the top five movies, name the top five movie subjects Andrew wouldn't want to watch, put them on the board. Like, that's probably <laughs> yeah. two or three. Right, right. Um, anyway, if you're listening and you think my theory holds water for those, feel free to tweet at Dissect the 80s so I can uh, learn that I'm correct or incorrect without having to watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, but we start with a, a good old boy in his pickup truck. Did you recognize this actor? No. It's uh, Nathan. Oh, man. What's the last name of the, the brothers from Heroes? Remember one Petrelli? was Milo Ventimiglia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Nathan Petrelli. Caleb. Wait the the mayor? Yes, because it was there was a, a the one Milo Ma- Milo Ventimiglia and, was the younger brother. And then there was the mayor, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he was a mayor, but he was a okay. politician for sure. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. That's 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 this Caleb gentleman. Oh, um, he's been in many other things as he well. Is but he's very he, okay in this. <laughs> Adrian Pazdar, I'm gonna guess is the pronunciation. Um, he doesn't bring enough to the table here but i think was cast because he was good looking I, will, I mean i don't think may brings a whole lot to the table either agreed agreed those it sucks those two it's like every time we get away from the vampire clan i'm like yeah hey, <laughs> like can we go back can we go see what 150 year old lance henriksen and the man in a child's body are doing right now because much much rather be hanging out there yeah come on I feel like that happens often in, in the movies we watch, where it's like you got the most white bread mayonnaise sand wet sandwich to be your romantic lead, and then surround them with like great chips and 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 cookies, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yes. I have to choke down this wet sandwich to get to the good stuff, but like. Yeah, I need to take in protein to keep me going for the rest of this meeting. But boy, howdy, do I not want to eat. It's like the equivalent of eat your vegetables so you could have ice cream. Yes. But yeah, also, I will say in defense of uh, Mr. Bazdar here, he is a ham sandwich in this movie, but he is not a wet ham sandwich. He is he is exceedingly better. I think, than I think whatever I that think guy was from condensation. I think it's been, I think his sandwich has been in the bag a little too long and there's a little bit of condensation in the bag. <laughs> You know what it was? The mom packed the cooler thing on, in there, yeah, it was on and the, the ice sandwich pack. was touching. So, yeah, so it's like it's so cold; it feels wet, even if it's not yeah. like wet, wet. Did I ever yeah. tell you? So we, uh, this is weirdly unrelated. <laughs> it's not related to the sandwich packing. No, it's related you to the sandwich say. packing, not related to the movie. I, my boyfriend once, I, I got home from work, and he was like, "Oh, uh, you." I don't know if you what you were on when you were putting the groceries away, but you put the Cheetos in the freezer. So I took those out and I was like, no, those are there on purpose. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. So <laughs> growing up, my I, I had freezer packs in my lunch. And so the Cheetos I ate were always like very cold. Very cold Cheetos, and like, yes. 
I that's how my brain wants to eat crunchy Cheetos, like not puffs, like the like the squigglies. So I will buy them and put them in the freezer. That's how I <laughs> that's how I eat my Cheetos still. And if anyone at home we're, we're, is a Cheeto person, try it out. It's pretty fun. We're gonna go next time we do a live show. Someone is gonna bring you a very cold bag of Cheetos, and I will be grateful. Uh, anyway, this gentleman is uh, driving a meetup with his boys, and we're having a little powwow. He's very and much drinking beers outside. Wait, wait hang on. You have, you've never seen Tu Wong Fu, have you? I haven't seen it, but I'm aware of it. There's a character in that movie that John Leguizamo's character tries to hook up with, and he and that character are very similar. Oh, okay. Uh, sort of, because he's he gets gross within in like the next seven minutes. He gets real gross, and I don't like him anymore. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the turning off the truck business. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Although, that is, we'll get into it. So, they see this lovely lady with an ice cream cone, and as somebody who's seen this before, I'm like, wait, I'm pretty sure this girl is a vampire, but she's got an ice cream cone. But if you notice, she just, like, almost licks it several times. Well, if you notice her first line of dialogue, he goes, can I have a bite? And she goes, bite? And he's like, yeah, I'm dying for some ice cream. And she goes dying and i was like gee i wonder if she's a vampire (laughs) it's not subtle it's not subtle no also i thought she would be more glamorous this is i guess yeah i guess with vampires you either get glampire or like dirty alley street rat like there's not a lot of (laughs) in between right there's not like Like a guy in a flannel shirt like, yes gross or like hi i wake up with eyeliner on <laughs> so i that makes me want to see the like suburban dad in new balances and a flannel shirt doing yard our work. dad at a theme like, park yeah yeah, yeah. Ankle, white like, ankle yeah. socks chunky white sneaker <laughs> and just like just like also drinks blood yeah exactly <laughs> He's got like a fanny pack. He's got the he's got his sunglasses on the little chain, the little like neoprene stretchy thing to uh-huh. hold around his neck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Honey, exactly. where did you this pack is what the I O want. positive? I don't see it in the cooler. <laughs> I see A B negative and I see B negative, but I don't see O. This uh, is what anyway. happens when we rush. We don't wake up early enough to get out of the house on time. You forget the O negative. <laughs> So they they go and have this like very weird date. Well, that what time I guess is it supposed it, to be? Do okay, they meet yeah, at lots of questions. I think they meet at midnight. <laughs> they uh, my read of it was it was already late by the time this guy showed up in this truck. Like maybe he did a lot of bull whatevering or horse whatevering that day, and gets to see his buddies. Meets this gal like shortly before last call. Okay. So, like, it's one. It's late. I get the impression that this is the type of town where the hangout after 10 p.m. is the convenience store that offers the soft serve and also six packs. Yeah, the Circle K, uh, you know, the whatever, Jerry's Jerry's grocer. What is the line from from, um, Bill and Ted about the Circle K? Strange things afoot at the strange things afoot. Strange things afoot at the Circle K. So they go for a cruise and they're like, oh, listen to the night and what it says. And no, I'm, so I'm going she, like, <laughs> I wrote, God, young single men would be such easy vampire prey. 
Because she literally is like, stop. For a woman, yes. She's like, stop the car. And he's like, okay. And stops in the middle of the road. And she's like, I want to show you something. Get out of the car. And I was like, wow. Wow, straight dude. He just gets out of the car. And she's like, listen to. She basically says, listen to the music of the night. What beautiful music they make. (laughs) The strange music. Okay. But I will say, you saying this is like a straight people thing. Every time I bring these things up, you're like, nah, I wouldn't worry about them. It's fine. It's fine. So let's not act like this is a straight versus gay thing. I've, if a handsome enough vampire had you in this exact situation and asked you to stop the car, you would probably do it. The diff- well, okay. There's a difference between straight culture and gay culture. And the gay culture, we would be leaving in the pickup truck on the assumption that we're about to go fuck. Like, it wouldn't be... So so how does that make you any less of an easy mark for the vampire? You're like, oh, straight man. Like, you also would be dead. No, it, it's different. <laughs> It's different because you think that there would be sex involved and instead you get bitten by a vampire. No, it's different because you you have an you would have an idea from the jump. About the vampire you wouldn't wait, what? How is that the answer? No. I think you are dodging this like a politician <laughs> right I'm now. I'm not. I just think I think gay culture and straight culture are different. I I just don't understand how you also don't end up bitten because by I'm the not, vampire. In, if I'm in the car and the guy says that I'm like, oh, this is, I'm going to die. Like, my brain is like, yeah. Like, if I'm driving him home, I'm not like, yeah, let's get out of the car and fuck on the side of the road. I'm like, yeah, you get out. I'll be right there. And then I peel out. <laughs> okay. I don't think that, that he thinks they're going to have sex right I here either. I 100% think he does. No, I think he thinks they're going to do some, like, maybe light to medium petting on the hood or tailgate of this truck. Or in the truck bed. Uh, anyway, he's like, so they do the, the listen to the music <laughs> of the night, and then... The children of the night. <laughs> what beautiful music <laughs> the they make. Music they make, yeah. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to take you to see my special friend. Uh, he doesn't twang like that, but that's how I'm going to play him. Uh, and they, they go, and well. she... Yeah, I was surprised they don't have him twing twanging all over this movie. Honestly, probably, it's surprising that probably like, hey, he sounds like he just got off the set of Footloose. Can we dial it back a bit? <laughs> well, it's the dad doesn't do it, the little girl sister doesn't do it, and he doesn't do it. Which is why, like, none of the extras in this movie have a twang, and this movie is definitely set in Texas. So I'm just surprised yeah. that not everyone. Uh, it, like under a normal director's hand, everyone in this movie would sound like Foghorn fucking like. <laughs> well, I don't think everyone needs to, but the main guy and his family should. They're cattle, Although, they're I, cattle I, ranchers I, in Texas. I did just watch From Dust Till Dawn, which is also a vampire movie set in Texas. Uh, and nobody twangs. Oh, I guess that's also set in Mexico. But in the Texas parts, nobody's twanging in that either. So maybe Texas is just not as twangy as we in the Northeast think. Maybe. Anyway. Uh, the horse doesn't like May. She's she Red spooks flag. the hell out of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although I think this is how horses would react to me as well. No, but that's I think it's a classic vampire thing. Oh, it is a classic vampire thing for sure. And then he lassos her. Literally lassos which, there's, her. There's, and I was like, there's there's two things in succession here that are the epitome of. It works if the other person is into it, or you're a rapist, yes. and there is like <laughs> you. you <laughs> 
you cannot know how they are going to react before you do it. So it's like, I am either about to commit assault or this person is into it. And it's like, when I'm faced with a decision like that, I just don't do it. <laughs> but in a movie, <laughs> in the movies, especially in the 80s, everyone just does the thing. And more often than not, the ladies are into it. I wonder if that leads to why we have such a problem in our general culture. Maybe. Possibly. Yeah, he last because he's like, oh, I want to show you how I lasso the horse. And I was like, I don't think you lasso horses. I think you ride. Typically, you no. Ride a horse while you lasso things. Sure, sure. If you have like a new horse back in, in at least in Red Dead Redemption, there was a mechanic <laughs> wherein <laughs> wherein a horse was like new, and you had to lasso it and then like train it so it was like the horse was wild and you had to sort of domesticate it so to speak our knowledge of ranching comes from red dead redemption (laughs) and our knowledge of weaponry and nuclear stuff comes from fallout (laughs) uh i would add back to the future three for horse horsemanship as well uh anyway they kiss and then uh she says okay you gotta take me home so they're in the truck and this is the time he does this yeah, yeah, she. it's like just beginning to dawn, and that's like exactly like you said. It's like, wait, how long have they been hanging out? Is it like six hours that we saw? Like, there was no indication that this was anything less than the linear time we were taking on the screen, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, it doesn't have a montage feel. You don't see a clock when they meet, and then a clock when they're at the rattle, at the rattle, the cattle ranch. Like, I'm confused. Right, right. So he they stop he he stops the car and takes the keys out and is like I'll tell your dad that the truck broke down kiss me and I'll take you home and she freaks out understandably because she's a vampire and is about to turn into fire. Yeah. Although so wait did you actually watch Doctor Sleep yet? Not yet. Okay. There's a character in Doctor Sleep who uses their shine or I guess yeah yeah the shine their shine for good for quote unquote good like she finds predator men and then like shines them or whatever and like takes their shit and i was like oh at first i was like oh that's what she's gonna do to him he's like clearly a rapist or like a grossman and so she's using her powers she's like oh i found you grossman let me rip your throat out because i feel like if i was a vampire that's what i would do this is where your 20 your 2020 is showing because in 1987 he is neither of the things that you described yeah he's just it's just it's gross <laughs> i don't disagree with you yeah yeah but yeah that's what i would use my vampire powers for <laughs> so they kiss a little she bites him on the neck and then she starts running it's okay so this movie also could have taken five minutes to demonstrate their vampire rules because there's a lot of rules about like how you become a vampire what are their powers right what are their limitations right what are their what are their weaknesses and the movie is just kind of like figure it out because yeah. I, in most I don't disagree in most vampire lore being bitten by a vampire doesn't turn you you're bit by a vampire right. and then they usually usually what I what I remember is they feed from you and then you feed from them and then you become a vampire yes or something to that effect it's usually that it's usually that sequence yes or like they drain you completely and then give you their blood or whatever. But in this, it's kind of like a zombie situation. One bite. Or a werewolf. Or yeah. a werewolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so I do like this is one of those scenes I was talking about in the long intro to this where so she's running and he's now running across the fields toward his family home and he's like starting to smoke. But it's such a beautiful shot of him running sort of silhouetted as the against the rising sun. Well, he's some, running. There's some, the, I will say whoever the location scout is did a great job, too, because the the landscape and the rural look of everything is very nice. I, yeah, yeah. And I'm imagining that he probably had like Ziploc bags full of dry ice all over his costume, which is probably unpleasant. Well, he just stuck smoke bombs in his jacket. Yeah, that would make more sense. So he's running home and it's a real Finding Nemo moment. Like he's running home. His, his, his father and sister are doing something to an animal. And then... <laughs> They're doing some sort of veterinary procedure. Oh. The way you described it seems like they were skidding it or some such. So, well, I think I think they were doing a transfusion. They don't tell you that. And then an hour later, they're going to tell you the dad. They're going to say, oh, dad, have you ever done a transfusion on a human? I didn't know he did a transfusion on anything. Yeah, I did. I mean, I did get veterinarian out of this guy or at least educated farmer. Um, rancher 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 so this winnebago comes rocketing through the plains and just scoops him up in front of his dad and his sister like nemo yeah i had forgotten the plot and i was like oh man this this guy's gonna turn into dust in front of his family that's awful see that would have been a great the other two options we we gave where she kills him because he's skeevy and he bursts into flames in front of his family, I think are more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't think this is a great, great movie, but I think it, I like a lot about it. Um, he gets snatched by Bill Paxton, who yanks him into the van. And he like every I like the vampire clan, but Bill Paxton in this movie rules like his clothes are amazing. I would his whole I would want to play in this if I were one of the vampires. Yeah, his his vibe rules. He's absolutely an unhinged lunatic which makes sense for a vampire i just everything about him is amazing and i do agree with you this would be a perfect time to be be like okay you're a vampire now here are some basic rules because she even says like i'm gonna teach him how to hunt and do things like it'd be very easy for her to be like okay obviously no more sunlight you know that one but here's some other ones you might not know Mm -hmm. the silver is bullshit you know you eat all the garlic you want kid yeah yeah exactly uh, the whole being this movie doesn't do that. You have to invite them in thing. So he could very easily be like, you could just go wherever you want. And this movie also doesn't seem to have the glamour thing, which would be another thing to, yeah. to talk about. Uh, but they, but the well, running down the clan here very quickly. Um, we've got Lance Henriksen is Jesse. Who's the, the patriarch. And we find out later that he fought in the civil war for the South, which I love as a little detail. Yeah. Uh, he, he, his name's Jesse. Um, Jeanette Goldstein is his sort of companion. Uh, her, she her she's Diamondback. She looks uh, like hypodermic Sally Severin. from American Horror Story Hotel. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Um, Jeanette Goldstein is also in it. So Paxton Hendrickson and Goldstein are all in Aliens, which Cameron directed. The second one. Yes, the sequel. Oh, I didn't know James Cameron directed that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, absurd Hollywood stories. Allegedly, the pitch for Alien Alien 2 goes like this. The executives are in the room. There's a big chalkboard. Alien is written on the chalkboard. Cameron walks in. He picks up a piece of chalk. He puts an S on the end, and he walks out of the room. And they're like, yep, go make the movie. If that's true, I fucking hate Hollywood, man. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I don't. That white I think man alien is to one put of the an S on the end. <laughs> Give him a check. <laughs> okay. To be fair, it wasn't just a white man. It's James Cameron. The dude is like easily one of the best directors of that type of movie ever. What year was Aliens? Eighty six. So he had, but he hadn't done that stuff by then. He had already made Terminator. Yeah, but he hadn't done Terminator 2, which is the better Terminator. I don't know that that's true, but also Terminator, the first one is like crazy groundbreaking effects for the time. Yeah, because he probably locked his his editors in a room. Look, (laughs) I think James Cameron, the person, is probably not a dude I'd like to spend time with. I think he probably is just a nightmare to be around. I know all the stories of his sets. He's probably a nightmare to be around. However... The dude makes great movies. Like, he is easily one of the, like, the movies that come out of his psychosis are almost all wonderfully impressive. That's true. Uh, And he is still... And given that he's not committing crimes, I am, I'm not a separate the art from the artist person in general. Like, if you're a child molester, cough, cough, Woody Allen, I have no interest in watching your movies. Or, 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 uh, 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 principal, dad. Dad and Beetlejuice, Principal and Ferris Bueller. Oh yeah, but he, he doesn't. He's not a director. Oh no. Yeah, or or like Roman Polanski. Never seen a Roman Polanski movie. Have no interest. The only we'll one I will I will movie. watch at some point is Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I just I just don't like. I just don't want to. No penny of I my pay for it. Cash. I do this. I that's my thing. I'm like I will 100 percent illegally pirate a movie if it's a director or someone a piece of shit somebody. But. Anyway, James Cameron mostly is just a tyrant who makes his actors be cold and stuff, which is not great, but he's not committing crime. So I don't uh, have as big of a problem with it. Is a jerk is a real thing, and I believe that he's a jerk. I totally do. But anyway, Jeanette Goldstein, also the mother in Terminator 2, is uh, Wait, seriously? Yeah. She's the one one that gets killed by the T-1000. She she stabs her husband with with the finger. Yes, yes. The yeah, T one thousand takes her over, and then uh, the other person that I think is really interesting, uh, Joshua John Miller, is Homer, who is a very old child. And I wish they got into more of Homer and how old Homer actually is. Well, isn't that but also a he, thing in Interview with a Vampire, which has been on my list forever? And this has been a, not a great yeah, season for me for watching new things. I've not, I've not seen it, but uh, what's her face? Kirsten uh, Dunst. Dunst. Yeah, yeah, plays plays a child vampire in that. Um, but the actor who plays Homer is Joshua John Miller, and he and his partner wrote The Final Girls. Oh, really? Which is a really fun horror movie. Yeah, and he, uh, Joshua John Miller, is the son of uh, Jason Miller, who played Father Karras in Exorcist. Oh, wow. And also wrote uh, that championship season, which he won a Tony for. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that was th- that existed. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool thing. Yeah, and I, I will again. I, I know we have a, I have a, tr- I have a track record of shitting on children on this podcast. I feel like normally when you cast like child who's going to play a centuries old person or whatever have you, yeah. you cast a child who seems wise beyond their years and has a, a gravitas to them. Yeah, this kid's got a lisp. Like he sounds like a little kid. Yeah. Like he sounds like 
Like, yeah, but you don't grow like you you can grow out of a lisp, but you don't like his mouth never changes shape. He sounds he's he the just, same he age. Sounds like beans from Even Stevens. <laughs> it, I I don't it's know. It's hard man. for me to take like beans from Even Stevens is not gonna play. And I'm, like if he said I was like I'm your vampire master, I'd be like okay, beans, <laughs> get out. There's the door. Get out. This, okay, this. This character's lisp is nowhere near as intense as the one you are doing in your impression, for one. Oh, I'm not saying it is. And again, I don't have any... If you have a lisp, I, I don't think you're up, like... I don't think you should be held back or anything. But I think for this role, I don't I don't think it, it was the strongest casting choice. He's also in Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which is a movie we've been talking about doing oh, on this podcast the, for the six years. Oh, is the little boy who, who gets got? It's him and his parents in the I, room? I, I don't... I, he, I believe so, but I don't remember specifically. Yeah. So anyway, um, they're they're in this Winnebago, and uh, they gotta they gotta get rid of it because it's been seen. And uh, Paxton steals like a station wagon, and they set the Winnebago on fire. And while they do that, they <laughs> intimate that they started the Chicago fire, which the Great Chicago Fire, which I like mm-hmm. a lot. Well, I like I like this idea that they keep burning vehicles and stealing new ones like that could have been explored more. Yeah, there's little glimpses of stuff that's great. Like when they have a new car, they all have their little like black it out jobs. Like Homer has a spray paint can that he's frantically spray painting the windows. Somebody has a roll of aluminum foil that they're covering windows with. They all have little jobs to do. Yeah. And I actually that would have been a great way to tell the passage of time. Yes. Like you just keep seeing them with a new car and that way you have an idea that like time keeps moving forward quickly. Yeah. If this became a movie where the vampire clan added a new member and that's what the movie is about, then it would very easily happen that way. The, uh, the, like that would be the the easy way to tell that story. Agreed. So, so Caleb tries to leave. He stumbles his way through town. Aliens is on the marquee of the theater in town, by the way. Wink, wink. Um, He goes to this bus station, tries to buy a bus ticket. He's a few dollars short, so they won't let him. So he eats a candy bar and then immediately vomits, which I, I, I liked as a little vampire thing. Yeah. Well, so the other thing that like, they're like, Hey, you weren't supposed to turn anyone may. And I was like, why can we like that? That is very interesting. Why do you not want that? Explain, please. And they don't. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a real we got mouths to feed now. You know what I mean? But, yeah, totally. Um, but she's like, but daddy, I love him. And like tries to they're like, we're going to kill him because he's a vampire. In which like, why not just let him burn in the sun? Why did you pick him up in the right. van at all? Right. It would have been easy. I think she told them she let a guy get away so that they would save him is my read. Oh, of it. like trick, like said, like didn't. Okay, that's yeah. Because um, that's the I only logical get explanation. Why she was so in love with him, like their date wasn't that long or charming or like indicative right. to us, the audience. Like why? It it does seem as the movie goes along that what the real motivation is, and and maybe this is some stuff that was cut or or what have you. But Lance Henriksen and Diamondback are a, sort of a couple, and. Then May gets a partner, and then Homer is like, "Well, I need one now too." Well, yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, 
So I think maybe the motivation is like May is just lonely. Like it's a couple and then her and then Homer. And it's like sort of a weird well, family where it's like the mom and the dad and the two kids. But she she wants. Yeah, but Bill Paxton's a wild card lunatic. <laughs> like, I don't think I don't think you're having companionship with Bill Paxton no. in this in this character, Bill Paxton. It would have been cool if Bill, pa- again, if this movie had, had been just about them bringing Caleb into their circle, it would have been interesting to see Bill Paxton with, like, a different person every other scene. Like, he just keeps, yeah. like, hey, I'll, I'll make him a vampire for a few weeks, and I kill him. I get over it. I'm bored with him. Right. That that would absolutely be his energy. Uh, meanwhile, at the bus station, so Caleb gets sick. Character actor extraordinaire uh, Troy Evans shows up. Uh, he's Roger Pedactor in the Ace Ventura movie. He gets killed. This guy's entire filmography is, which is extensive, is about 80% or about 45% cops, 40% football coaches, and 5% miscellaneous. Huh. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. You don't need to revisit it. The ending is extremely transphobic. Yeah, no, I know. He's been in, like, this guy, Troy Evans, has been in, like, 200 oh, I'm movies. I'm sure. I believe it. Uh, so, Caleb uh, gets... He gives Caleb a couple of bucks. for a bus ticket in 1987. That seems like a lot. They're several states away at that point. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I feel like it would be about $14 now for a bus ticket. They're, they're, I believe, already into Oklahoma from wherever they were in in Texas, because later the dad Mm. gets a phone call and he's like, oh, uh, we spotted them here. This cop gave him money to get a bus to get home. And he's like, oh, my God, that's the they must have been going the other direction. I got to go north. But yeah, the cop tries to arrest him. And I'm like, what crime did he commit? He's just a dirty kid in a bus station throwing up a candy bar. I think this is more, I'm going to put you in the drunk tank until the morning, then arrest you. Got it. Okay. Because he asks him a bunch of times what drugs he's on, and Caleb looks like he's detoxing in some capacity. He does. Also, um, when the cop like grabs him, it looks like he has a bite on his hand. Yes, And I was like, <gasps> is there a network of vampires? Yeah, yeah. It no. Do- it just comes to nothing. But it does look like that. So he gives him money from the bus. To get on the bus, Caleb gets on the bus and then very shortly is like dying of illness. So he asks the bus to stop and he gets off and May has been following him and lets him feed off of her. Yeah. So you had texted me that the first half hour of this movie is one paragraph on Wikipedia. No, the first hour of this movie is a single paragraph on Wikipedia. Okay. That's why I was confused because I thought you said half hour. Never no. mind. The this this Wikipedia summary is four paragraphs. The first hour is like one paragraph and maybe a sentence, and then the last half hour is three paragraphs. Okay, never mind. I rescind my comment. And then so then all of a sudden we're following Caleb's family searching for him because they think he got kidnapped, and I was like, why is this the movie? Yeah. So this so there's really a plot, b plot, c plot here is. A plot is Caleb and May and their relationship. B plot is the family trying to find Caleb and rescue him. And C plot is the vampire clan. And I really think that should be flipped. C should become A. like what yeah. Wes Anderson would do if he was making a vampire movie. That it would be like about Angelica yeah, Houston yeah. looking for her son who got kidnapped by vampires, played by Ben Schwartzman. Yes, it's something along those lines. Do, how, do you? But do you I do. I, I hang on. How do you feel about Wes Anderson movies? Because I don't care for them. Cannot stand them. Okay. I thought it was just Not me. my cup of tea. Nope. People think Everyone I, people can enjoy like, oh, what they like. Wes Anderson. And I'm like, 
No. No. No thanks. That symmetry is not my jam. Yeah, I don't care for it at all. I like making fun of it. And people... People are always like, "Oh, you should you should try this one." And I'm like, "I tried several of them. I'm not I did no more. No more. I did I did Life Aquatic. I did the early one Bottle Rocket. I just it's not for me. It's fine that you like it, but I don't want to watch it." But I do like there are even among the parts I don't care for, which the Caleb's family stuff is is high among that. There's so many cool shots. They go to see the sheriff and he's backlit and it's dusty and smoky in this police station. It's just very cool looking set, I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then we go back to the vampire clan and they're all down to kill people, but Caleb isn't. And I'm like, okay, but like, yeah, if you can't do that, you can't be, you're like, you're not going to be a vampire. They're going to kill you. Right. And it seems very easy to solve this problem. It's like, okay, well, you're a vampire now, so you need to drink blood. And if you're not going to do that, you might as well just kill yourself. Here's how to do it. Mm hmm. Like we as humans, if 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 our if our babies grew up and still didn't know how to do anything with themselves, we probably wouldn't keep having babies. Right. Exactly. Well, that's why the clan doesn't want her to turn anyone too. They're like, this is this is no good, May. Yeah, and it, it's cool because we get this great moment where, as she's sort of like, look, you have to feed, you have to hunt to feed. We watch each little member of the clan feed like hunt in their own way and it's great mm-hmm. bill packs yeah this, hitchhikes and gets picked up by two girls that he promptly murders. looking like 10 million bucks with a slide bolo tie a western shirt a big old belt buckle and boots like everything about this act outfit is amazing especially in in texas Oklahoma, wherever they are yeah oklahoma i think Texarkana. At this point. but also like How's a how's a how's a vampire keeping a shirt white? You tell me. Scotchcard Scotchcard ain't doing nothing for that gla- shirt. Well, like again, there's the glampires who only have fresh starched white shirts, and then there yeah. are the 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 trash rats. But the the glampires have like a castle and you know a servant. They have their Renwick and whatnot. Bill Baxton does not have access to a regular washing machine. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I will say the Lost Boys are kind of a middle ground. They're the only middle ground that I know of between trash rat and glampire. Yes, they are. They are. They are glamorous trash rats. <laughs> yeah, they they're David Bowie. If you want to hear our Lost Boys episode, by the way, patreon.com slash dissecting the eighties. Ding. Um. So. Homer with the bicycle is my favorite of these, though, where yeah. he because 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 like the there's a bicycle in the back of the Winnebago and then later it's on the roof of this car. And I'm like, what is with the bicycle? And it's like, oh, I guess Homer likes it or he, maybe he's still a kid. And then you see him here where it looks like he's gotten in, hurt on his bicycle and someone stops to help him and then he eats them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, Lance Henriksen and Hypodermic Sally are driving and go to pick up a hitchhiker and they try to be like, oh, we're going to rob you. And then they're like, Haha, no, you're not. Yeah, the, the guy gets in the back and then another dude runs to the driver's side, pulls a gun. And the guy in the back pulls a gun on on uh, Diamondback. And they're, Lance Hedrickson and Diamondback are like, oh, my God, it's going to be a challenge. This rules. They look so excited. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> they're stoked. Um, and then it's. So there, I love there's a there's a second where Lance Hendrickson cranks the radio as high as it'll go with this just evil smile on his face. It's just such a good little bit of acting. It's great. I what song was was the song playing like a Don't Fear the Reaper or a... it wasn't cute like that. I don't think. Mm. Um, and then there's a and then they cut to Caleb 
again, the worst part of this movie. The yeah. romantic leads are never the best, are rarely the best part in fun things like this. Um, he's in. He and May are in a truck driver's cab, and it's him trying to kill the guy, and it's just like very uncomfortable to watch, and not in a storytelling kind of way. Right. Like he he's like leaning in and pulling away, and like looking at the guy's neck, and then looking away, and it's like, brah, shit, or get off the pot, my dude. This, this truck driver is played by Roger A. Brown, who you may remember as John Henry in Disney's Tall Tale. <laughs> I thought he looked familiar. Other things as well, but uh, I loved that movie when I was a kid. We had the uh, the little tin cup, the like campfire. Yes, and, and the, leg- the, the cowboy coffee mug that was actually made of tin that I'm sure we got in a Disney store or Disney World or something. No, I think, but, it, was, uh, I think legend- it was a set. I think you got Babe, the movie, and... Oh, that's and a possibility. Mug. All I remember is I like to drink milk out of it. And then one time our grandmother was watching us. Our parents went away and she tried to make herself a cup of coffee in it. And it is a mug entirely made out of metal. So she poured very hot coffee <laughs> oh, into no. a metal mug, picked it up by the thing, burned her fingers and dropped it and made a huge mess. I don't remember uh, that. Story I, t- I tell that story all the time. Uh, Caroline, my girlfriend, you ever told probably her that sick of hearing it. Uh, frequently have told her no, that story. Na- no, Every time you told Nan that story. Oh, it happened to her. Why would I tell her? I don't the know. Story? Like, hey, Nan, do you remember this? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there for the the. I don't think I was like in the room. Oh. I think I was told the story by our grandmother. Um. Anyway, uh, so May ends up killing this driver, and then she sort of baby birds Caleb to feed him. Yeah, and again, like. I don't know why you're so into this dude, May. I don't know why he's yeah. so into you. I think she. Either. I. I. I think if we had one scene where she was talking about being lonely, especially if she was talking about being lonely to say Bill Paxton, who was calling her a psycho idiot, mm-hmm. would be really enough to to get this over the hump. Um, th- this scene is really rad though, of where he's like draining. He's really aggressively drinking for May, and it's clearly making her woozy. They're underneath these oil derricks, and I just loved the sort of symmetry of the oil derricks pumping oil out of the ground as he is sucking all of the blood out of may like the two the the, the juxtaposition there is like like, severe under angle of these giant machines but that's such like a little film nerdy detail thing that i'm like yeah hell yeah Catherine bigelow this rules this is such a cool thing that you're doing this symmetry oh by the way homer also was in teen witch i had written that down here very late who was he in teen uh, witch the weirdo little brother shut up Top yeah, that. yeah. Remember she? Yeah, no, 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 not no, top I that. Know. That's the friend. The brother. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so they're like, he gets one more chance, and I'm like, why? Just kill him. And at this point, kill May. Like, I don't get why everyone's like, what's the deal? <laughs> yeah, there should be an explanation of how it'd be very easy for them to do a rundown scene of of who brought whom to the party Well, like they say that um homer bit may like sired may and i'm Mm. like okay yeah but i don't understand what does that mean to us like she's bound to you is that why she doesn't leave because she doesn't like any of you right right i think it's just safety in numbers you're a weird creature of the night you gotta be you know it's probably helpful to not be a solo actor go be a, a night shift diner waitress yeah, but you can't. You ha- I, so I feel that a modern vampire story they have to be nomads. Well, 
but I she can, but she can be a like a like uh, for me. If I were her, I would have left this group and like done my own thing. But but I think you're discounting the fact that it's really hard to be a vampire. Like you 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 have to have a hovel to stay in or whatever it is because you can't. It's not like you can go get a mortgage and you can't set up stakes anywhere you have to kind of be nomadic and to be nomadic by yourself it's like it's a lonely life she's choosing then i i think i think you can find a small town be the night shift diner waitress and live a comfortable life for a little while but you can't be in a small town and have someone go missing every three days like that doesn't even with bad cops in the 80s like eventually someone's going someone or a bus stop or something it just feels like a tough tough way to eke out a living as a vampire whereas if you're nomadic you're hitting the town and by the time is, they realize is being stuck in a spray paint van with bill paxton i mean again like i don't think that's that that's i think this decision is harder than you're making it out to be i think that's sort of Maybe. the theme of the movie is loneliness yeah but the movie doesn't say that <laughs> I, I don't think the movie says it with its words, but I think that the imagery of the movie and the, the way that it's shot and the story that it's telling, I think this movie is like inherently about loneliness, not to be like a fart sniffer who's reading between the lines on things. But I do think that the thesis of this movie is the loneliness of these outsiders. See, I didn't get loneliness. I got I got addiction. Yeah, I don't. You said that in your intro, and I, I don't, I don't read this as an addiction movie. The way it that feels you are. like he got like she hooked Caleb. And now he's like in a, in the in with the wrong crowd, and they're dragging him down the bad path. And then his father, spoiler alert, detoxes him. And then she shows right. up at his doorstep, and he's like, "Hey, hey, don't you want to do one more? Don't you have one more hit?" And then right. they steal it. No, I think it's a perfectly valid reading. Anyway, this is the best scene in the movie. This is the, like this is the scene. If you're gonna watch anything, just you. I don't know if it's on YouTube. Watch this scene. So they they go to this this really run down dive bar, which is just perfect set. There might be Whoever five people designed in there. this set. Yeah, there's a bartender and I think a waitress and then three patrons is about how it shakes out. Yeah, something like that. And Paxton immediately starts shit with this guy at the bar who's, you know, sort of tough guy. The like the bandana and the leather the leather vest over the jean jacket. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. The patrons of this bar, there's this guy, there's another guy who's explicitly a biker who's got the bandana and glasses and stuff. And then the third guy looks like an accountant at Dunder Mifflin. Yeah, I was like, who, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he, what a dweeb looking guy. But uh, he starts he starts a fight with this guy. He spills liquor on him. He spits on him. Paxton's really going after him. And then Paxton grabs Caleb and puts him in the way. And so the guy starts you know, beating up Caleb, he catches a wicked beating Mm -hmm. and then throws one punch and the guy goes flying. And Bill Paxton's like, he doesn't say this exact line, but it's basically like, yeah, vampire strength. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I feel like half of Paxton's lines could be boiled down to like, I love being a vampire. Woo. He, yeah, that is exactly the energy. Bill Paxton's character and the way he plays it is my character just loves being a vampire like he's glad that it happened to him he thinks it rules he's never wanted anything more than this sort of power and craziness he loves every second of it Mm -hmm. and so they beat him up and then is it the waitress next yeah 
and the crazy part with the wager is you can take over, but everyone just stands around and watches this say, horrible thing happen to her. Nobody reacts to anything in this bar. Like, Bill Paxton punches a guy across the room. Radio silence. This waitress yeah. gets accosted and groped and assaulted, and then her throat slit. Silence. Uh, Lance Henriksen orders a beer and a glass, and then when she brings it... And Homer orders a shot of tequila, which she gives him, which is just I mean, beyond ludicrous. This, he looks bar, like an actual child. In this bar. But but Hendrickson is like, oh, I don't need the beer. I just want the glass. And she's like, okay. And then they slit her throat and drain her into the glass. And then I thought there'd be a scene later where someone drank it, but it just gets left behind. I think I think May drinks it. It's not like explicitly oh, okay. on screen, but I think May drinks it. And then the bartender's trying to get trying to like get his shotgun ready. As Bill Paxton kills the other guy. And Lance Hendrickson throws the latch across the door and is like, or is it is it Paxton or, or uh, Lance who gets the awesome line that's, I just need a couple of minutes of your time, which uh, that's is unfortunately Lance the rest Hendrickson. of your life. Okay, okay. He does the, the Goodfellas move where he bolts the door and is like, now you can't leave. Yeah. And then, again, this is 100% like Bill Paxton's character is the one I would want to play in this movie. Or I probably would end up playing in this movie. He jumps in the bar and he's like kicking the glasses. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. He, when he kills the guy, uh, the other bar patron, he like crushes and twists his head. Yes. And the whole, there's like a full two minutes to three minutes of dialogue prior to that with no underscoring. It's just the quiet, right. diegetic sound of the jukebox playing in the background as he's like menacing and like terrorizing this man before he breaks his neck. And it was, it's very effective and very unsettling. Again, kudos, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. And he steals his shades and he eats him and is like, oh, I hate when they're all stubbly. Mm-hmm. Stealing, stealing sunglasses, wearing a leather jacket, dancing on a bar. Oh, yeah. It's me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say Terminator. Oh, which that also too. is. So he's like on the bar, kick, kicking the glasses, like taunting the bartender because he can't reload the shotgun. The, the bartender has shot Caleb. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Caleb gets shot. And then. And he Caleb thinks he's dead and is like, I'm alive. And Bill Paxton's like, yeah, you are. And then he hops cool up buddy? and starts doing this. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I also like you don't really see it, which I'm kind of grateful for. But Bill Paxton has had spurs that sort of have been Chekhov'd throughout this movie, and he kills this bartender with his spurs it's, while standing. On I the bar. love that. Like that is so unique. Yeah, and so clever. He's standing on the bar, like real cool guy, like standing on the bar with his hands kind of lazily on a rafter above him, so he looks real casual. And yeah, then yeah. As he kicks, you hear that like fing and the. Whoosh, of, of yeah. the spur and he slits this dude's throat with like three or four spur kicks and how do Homer they follow kills that up the first guy they shoot a guy in the back <laughs> what? yeah it's really kind of lame uh so he homer shoots the the first guy in the back and then may grabs the last one and she starts dancing with him and then he, the accountant from dunder mifflin type dude and then he this, <laughs> jumps out the I window so it's so cool this, like he got jealous she danced with a guy, and that's why he's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm like, this toxic masculinity dick measuring contest? Seriously, Caleb? Yeah. You've had all these opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I, look, it sometimes takes people a long time to work their courage up to become actual murderers, okay? 
Kill, just kill Caleb. That's what I'm like. Just kill Caleb. Kill May. The three of you move on with your life. Find someone else. Find a new one. I don't think you gotta kill May. I think May's an interesting character. I'd be fine if they just killed Caleb. But then, but May's gonna be like, like she's gonna be journaling sad poems about (laughs) Caleb. (laughs) It's like the uh, Emily Dickinson story, secretly. Yeah, exactly. that's not really the kind of sadness she wrote about, but the the point stands. Um, so they tell Caleb to go run after him. And then there's a really fun bit where Homer is like really jamming out on the bar. Mm-hmm. But the song on the radio is like, all my exes live in Texas. It's totally out of sync. Like, like he clearly was to dancing it. to. S- yeah. Yeah. He's he's dancing to like the Ferris Bueller soundtrack, basically. They, we also get that trope that like all liquor burns. Because they're just, like, throwing bottles and, like, all the liquor's catching fire. And I'm like, that's not all, that's not all liquor. Hashtag not all liquor yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I I think if you threw it and it broke, you'd get a lot of alcohol vapors going, which is very flammable. So maybe that's what it is. Oh, I didn't think about that. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I only know it because I flambe on a somewhat regular basis. And I, <laughs> Ooh, I, I don't do it with... <laughs> I, I mean, I put bourbon into a pan and I or 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 uh, brandy into a pan. I turn it off. Did you ever put that on fire? Did you did you put one of the videos on Patreon of you almost burning your girlfriend's face off? I don't think so. Oh, did we talk about this previously? I thought we did. Maybe I'm misremembering. I don't know. You may have just seen it. I I anymore. I don't do it since COVID. I've stopped doing it with a lighter because I just anything that might send me to the hospital. (laughs) It's off the list. So, so I so I just turn the pan off and let it boil quickly, uh, which does the same thing. But I I used to like doing it. It's like a fun little chefy thing. You pour the brandy in and then and then you know let it cook down and then you got a good pan sauce going. I need to, I need to try it again. Not during COVID is probably the answer. Well, I work at a hospital network now, so I feel like it's. Caleb catches up to him, but he lets him go, and then they get Caleb in the car, and it's almost daylight because of Caleb's, like, whole deal letting him go and everything, and so this scene's kind of rad where they're, like, frantically trying to cover the windows. And trying to get to to a motel. Yes. Which, like, again, if Caleb has caused all of this damage and, like, chaos for you people, rip his head off and toss it in a dumpster. But he proves himself here shortly because he does say he's like, you're you're we're done with you. Like, we're going to figure out what to do with you, but you're done. Like, we gave you a lot of chances and you're out. They do say that they're going to do what you're saying. There's also a weird moment. So the sun rises and the police start knocking on the door. And well, one 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 second, because I have to point out something very odd. So Lance Hendrickson goes to rent the room and he's like banging on the bell really aggressively. And this scene is almost shot for shot in from Dust Till Dawn, which obviously really? is an homage to this. Yeah, there's a very like there's a scene in From Dust Till Dawn where they're trying to rent a room and George Clooney is like smacking the hell out of the bell and like slamming it on the table and trying to get service. And it's just very odd that this little detail from Near Dark is is put mm-hmm. into the that movie. Um, and then there's also a nice bit with the hotel owner who's like, didn't I see you here like 50 years ago? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I get through here about once every 50 years. Yeah. Um, that joke would have worked with our with our vampire dad character. Oh, for sure. Um, so th- sorry. So the police are at the door. The sun's rising. Curtains are like cheap airport motel curtains that are made of tissue paper. Like they're not blocking sure. anything. 
And Bill Paxton still throws them open and like catches fire and is like, ah, the sun. And I was like, yeah, we can see I, it. I think it's direct sunlight is what catches them on fire. But why would he, if you can see sunlight streaming through these paper, these tissue papers. I thought he opens it to see where the cops are. It's possible, but like either way, you know, sunlight's there, bruh. No, I know, but I think he was like, I have to take this calculated risk so I can see where the cops are so I can shoot at them. Maybe. So this is a this is another really rad scene in this movie. Paxton shoots his shotgun through the front door and kills the cop, but the sunlight immediately sets him on fire, and then this leads to just like a crazy big shootout. Yeah. It's I will I, I think this shootout could have had more interesting shots. Yeah, it's a really small room, so there's not a lot of like fun camera movement to be had because they're in a motel room with two beds. Yeah. And so Caleb is like, I'm going to save the day. And he spikes his way out the door with a blanket on and runs to the car and drives the van into the room. Yes. Directly into the room. Also spikes. It is uh, referencing Buffy for anyone yes, who doesn't he, know. Spike was always running around with a blanket. Spike always had a blanket over his head. <laughs> yeah, that um, was, but I love that Buffy was just like, eh, whatever, Spike's in the daytime, put a wool blanket on his head. Yeah, yeah. It's always these like very bad, like they're like moving blankets that they use in Buffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, they were quilted, shitty, uncomfortable blankets. Yeah. Um, but I love that he, so he drives into the, it's a little bungalow motel. So like each, each room is its own little like building. So he drives into one side, everybody piles into there and then he drives it through the other side to escape. They get to a new hotel. Paxton gives him a spur and he's like, you're one of us now. This, this new motel is just shy of being a hotel room or motel room from the show Supernatural. Yeah, just shy. It doesn't have the fake wall, but it's very it close. It doesn't have the weird dividing wall that they all had. Um, also, at this point, Homer looks like Eleven in Stranger Things when she found the other test subjects. Yes. and Because <laughs> he meets the little girl. The thing was, they're like, we wear eyeliner and black jacket, black blazers. <laughs> <laughs> you also, I you can kind of see it in other scenes, but this scene in the motel room, uh, Henriksen's nasty rat tail is in full display. Yeah, it's like a braided rat tail. Yes. So they're like, yeah, Caleb, you're cool. You're cool now. And then he and May go outside and we get 20 seconds of like romantic dialogue. And I was like, Give me more to care about these people, please. Because <laughs> we're yeah, an hour this, into this, this movie, and I do not. Yeah, um, I don't. I'm not quite as down on them as you are, but th- again, it's just less interesting than the vampire gang playing cards. Homer slips outside, says he's going to have a smoke, and then he sees Sarah, Caleb's sister, which he doesn't know, uh, and she is getting a soda from the soda machine. And I was like. I thought it was like 11 p.m. when this was happening, which is like a wild time for an eight-year-old girl to be by herself getting a soda. But it turns out it's like 5.15 in the morning. Yeah, it's it's late enough that the television is stopped. They played yes, the American flag he's like, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he invites her back to the room and Sarah opens, he opens the door and it's Sarah walks in with Homer and it's the three vampire psychos. And Sarah's like, hi, everybody. You all play cards real late. And then Bill Paxton goes, we keep odd hours. And I was like, that's such a cute way for a vampire to talk to a kid. It's also the best line delivery. It's so good. Seriously, he's the best part. 
This, there's a reason why Bill Paxton is on the poster of this movie, despite only being in it for like 28 minutes combined. And it's because he freaking rules. Yeah. And so Homer is like instantly decided he's going to turn this girl. And I was like, but is she the first child you've ever met? Like, why her? Yeah, it just seems like, oh, this was easy prey, and we're going to be gone soon, so this is just simple. I but guess, it's very strange. Because he's, like, ups- instantly obsessed with her. Like, she's mine. Yes. I'm not going to let her go. I'm like, you just met her. I also think it's really wild how uh, she's just so chill about the three lunatics that she has entered this room with. I mean, she's a dumb child in the 80s. Still, I feel like she could be a little alarmed. Hmm. So, Caleb comes back, and... He sees his sister and they have their little like, oh, my God, Sarah, we, I missed you. And she gives him a little bit of like finger wagging, which is fun. And then Caleb's dad shows up and he pulls a gun very quickly. And Caleb's like, uh, no, dad, that doesn't work here. And he's like, whatever, son, gun solves everything. This is Texas. But then also um, Homer grabs Sarah and like pulls her to a corner. And he's like, don't do that, son. And then Homer, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Homer goes... I bit May, May bit you. Now I'm going to bite your sister. And that makes us even Stevens. And I was like, I don't, I do not follow. He's implying, he's implying that Caleb has stolen May away from him. Like May was supposed to be his. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So the dad, Caleb's dad shoots Lance Hendrickson and he does this awesome thing where he spits the bullet out. That was pretty wet, <laughs> pretty rad. Yeah. So they end up fleeing the whole Caleb and his family are like driving away in a truck and Caleb's in the back, like hiding under the spike blankets. And that's when he does the thing you alluded to earlier, which is, oh, my God, Dad, have you ever done a transfusion on a human? Well, so what happens is he dives in the back of the pickup truck or whatever. And then we see all this science equipment in the back of the car in the van. And and I was like, what is that? Like, is his dad making meth? I don't know. And he goes, and he says, Dad, you, you really didn't put the vet thing together, huh? No, I didn't. Because I thought it was huh. just, I thought it was just like, and then because we see one scene for like 10 seconds and I was like, oh, they're just being, you know, cattle ranching or whatever. Animal husbandry. He gives a sheep a shot. Oh, I guess I missed That's that. That's like the intro. Yeah. So they do, they do the blood transfusion and the blood transfusion works, which is like, this one is fine with me because like, we really don't get the rules of the vampire here. But I, in my brain, I was like, well, Caleb has never drank human blood. So maybe that's like the final thing is like, if once you've hunted and killed and drank from blood from human, then that's, then you've, you know, become the full vampire and it's reversible. I was like, okay, that makes some sense. But maybe, but that's not the case. Right. It's not. Um, they sit down to dinner well, also, and boy, I'm sorry, human anatomy and cattle anatomy cannot be that similar. No, but a transfusion is literally just like you find a vein, you put a needle in it and you put blood in it. Just any vein. Yeah, I imagine because, well, when I go to get like blood drawn, they have to like find the right kind of vein or like when I get a shot, they have to find the right spot for it. You can't just like throw a dart and hope for the best. I feel like if if in a apocalyptic scenario, I could do a blood transfusion. But also, okay, again, I've had my blood drawn like a hundred times. I feel like it's pretty simple to find I, the vein I mean, in an arm and here, put a needle in it. I get done every three months. I know. I'm not saying I'm special. I'm just saying I think it's doable. Also, with a transfusion, it's in the context of a vampire or a zombie thing. Wouldn't the only way to make a transfusion effective for this to be that? 
you drain all of the blood out and then put all new blood in? That was my exact question, and they don't explain how, what they do here, but that I thought would be really interesting. And what they do, it seems, is the dad gives, like, one bottle's worth of blood, and that's the end of yeah, it. Yeah, it looks like they're stuck together. They're, like, daisy-chained together. And I was like, so yes. dad's infected now? Because that would have been a great twist. Yeah, no, that would have been... that. They're they're each, like, half-vampire somehow. Uh, and he's he's cured. He's well enough instantly to give his sister a piggyback ride all the way across the field. And I was like, uh, wait a minute. Yeah. Can't wait a minute. And he's like, one day I'll tell you, but not today. And we go to sit down for dinner. And boy, what do we have for dinner? A nice pot roast, mashed potatoes, some roasted carrots and a drink, a couple tall glasses of milk for the kids and a hot cup of coffee for dad. Why does everyone in movies drink the craziest shit at dinner? Why is this a thing on a farm? I th- there's water there. Yeah, I am sure of it. More logical. The dad's drinking coffee at like 8 p.m. Some people do that, especially for dessert. The, it, they're eating the pot roast. I know they're eating like, pot roast. A, dessert. Comes Stop after defending this. With people eat d- drink yes. coffee then. I think it's fine to have a cup of coffee with cake. I think it's a lunatic that has a cup of coffee with a pot roast and mashed potato dinner. Maybe. So, but at this point, I'm like, if I'm this family, my new thing is that we don't have a home anymore. We just drive and follow the sun. We're never out of the right. sun. <laughs> it's like Endless Summer, that old surf documentary. Yeah. So you just drive, follow the sun, and when you get to the West Coast, you just... Actually, no, wouldn't you... You'd be, you'd, you would go west east, wouldn't you, to follow the sun trajectory? Well, I mean, it, it, you, you couldn't do the thing you're describing. You can keep driving and always be in sunlight. That's how... Well, you run out of road to drive on. Not... That's what I'm saying. Like, But you, you the, it would travel west to east, right? Yes. But you couldn't... Like, even with a plane, I don't think you could do the thing that you're you describing. Get on, no, when you get to the east coast, you just fly to the west coast and start over again. I just don't think you can... I don't think you can do that. Like, I think the speed would be almost impossible to make this work. But anyway, that's fine. May is on the swing... And she gives him a hug and she's like, oh, my God, you're warm. And he's like, yeah, I'm not a vampire anymore. It's really rad. You should try it. <laughs> so and I this is where I was like, I, I've never seen a movie do this kind of vampire story and then end with like, hey, I'm I'm cured and uh, we can never be together again. I thought it was going to lead to like my vampire pal who lives in the basement and eats rats. The Bob- So she's just the Babadook. Yeah, basically. In uh, in the sequel to Fright Night, there's a vegetarian vampire who doesn't drink human blood and only eats bugs, uh, huh. which I thought was interesting. I've never seen another thing. So like, oh, you could maybe she's a vegetarian vampire. She eats cow blood or whatever. But uh, this is all a trap. Then May is the distraction. Was while May they can actually go steal a distraction or, or did they happen to follow her? Because, I mean, the movie doesn't tell you. I, so it's more I, what do you think? I guess... I guess it would be illogical for the rest of May's actions for her to be actually setting the trap, but boy, that's what this reads like. Yeah, I think my brain just was like, she wanted to go find him and they followed her, which the movie could have taken the, yeah. th- the 30 seconds to show us that. No, I totally agree. So, so da- at this point, uh, his sister gets taken and his father takes an Uber out of the movie. Yeah, he's just like, are you gonna, are you gonna go save his sister? And he's like, yeah, well, uh, I'm just gonna be in here. Uh, I got you, buddy. Don't worry about it. We'll go. We're gonna go drive with the sun, and don't worry about a thing. So weird. So he, uh, his car, all the car's tires have been popped. 
So he has to Which is saddle cool up to thing. save his sister. Yeah. I mean, this shot looks rad as hell. The it street does. is all wet down. He the the neon's glittering in the street and he's like clip clopping. It's uh instead of high noon, it's high moon. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. And then there's a lot of horse hoof shots. Yes. One might well, say because there's clearly- too many horse hoof shots. <laughs> Clearly, they only had the horse for a short time and were trying to get this done in a safe manner because the horse bucks Caleb and then literally runs out of the like movie. They might, as, they might as well have just recycled shots, but flip-flopped. Like, horse trots yeah, left yeah. to right, now horse trots right to left. I totally agree. Uh, this leads to a cool bit of business where Caleb like runs past Bill Paxton. There's an 18-wheeler. He asked the guy for help. And then Paxton shoots him like dead in the forehead from I don't know a hundred yards, which is a fairly impressive shot. Yeah, and uh, it's a good thing that Caleb had Chekhov's "How to Drive an Eighteen Wheeler" <laughs> lesson from the guy who played John Henry, because he then drives this eighteen wheeler, smashes into Paxton, and he pops up looking like just an absolute roadkill, but the not dead, great and movie. just starts. Oh, it's so good. And he just starts ripping pieces out of the truck as it's driving. And then <laughs> Caleb, like, remembers the bit on how to make the truck ja- jackknife because the the other truck Something driver like was that. like, if you don't do this, the truck will jackknife. But what plays out in the movie is Caleb initiates the jackknife, jumps out of the cab, and then the truck explodes immediately before it hits anything. <laughs> yeah, it it's as if he put a bomb all. in it. <laughs> Like, I wanted the thing to, like, you know, crease, crash, boom, roll over, and then blow up. I just wanted it to, like, I wanted it to break and then explode, and instead it just blows up. But uh, one of Paxton's spurs comes, like, clinkering and, you know, tinkling on the street in front of him. It's like, well, I guess he's out of the movie. (laughs) It's a rad explosion. It looks very cool. The explosion is phenomenal. Um, So now May and... and, uh, I almost said Laurie Metcalf. <laughs> uh, who's the Diamondback and Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen. It's, no, it's not Diamondback. It's Lance Henriksen and May at the car. Yes, Diamondback's behind him. That's right. That's right. This is the big showdown. Yeah. And May is like, just let him go, Jess. And I'm like, why do you care so much at this point? Right, right. Again, at this point, I'm um, killing May. I'm killing Caleb. Maybe turn the sister, whatever. We'll give her a minute. Yeah. So... Sarah, the little sister, breaks out and she yells like, Caleb, she's right behind you, which means like he ducks when Diamondback throws her knife, which ends up catching Lance Hangerson right in the mouth, It's it uh, looks, which is kind of rad. When he pulls it out and you get that sick, that sickening sound and he spits blood. It looks Yeah. Great. Uh, so Sarah runs to Caleb and they start running and he's carrying her, which like I know she's a kid and can't run that fast, but there's no way that you carrying her is faster than her like you're holding her hand and you're both running well also like it just doesn't make any sense then goes she's like she like whispers under her breath like run get out of here and i was like what oh i completely missed that yeah i had closed captions on too and she goes run get out of here and i was like wait hang on what are you sure that wasn't dialogue from may no it was her it was because her mouth moves that's so weird because she immediately, Diamondback is like, come on, let's get in the car and get him. And Lance Hendrickson gets in the car, Diamondback gets in the car. And then they're like, come on, May. And I'm, I'm with you at that point. I'm like, screw you, lady, we're leaving. And they're just like, you know, leave her there. Yeah. Suck on that. 
Right. So now we're like chasing and he trips um, for some reason. Yes. And he's like, run, he falls little down. Sister. Well, running. It's not for it's not for some reason. It's because he's carrying a 65 pound child like in his arms. Yeah. But like he trips as though he steps in a bear trap or he got shot. Yes. Because he like stays on the ground. And so she runs. Yeah. No, he seems hurt. And we see the car, the the the, the vampire car pull up. She stands there and stares at it as it gets close to her and then screams. He watches and doesn't do anything and then screams. And I was like, you both deserve to die. Yeah, especially because the sun is like actively rising at this point. It would be very easy to just run loops and try to stay away from them. That you know they can't get out of the car. Yeah, exactly. Like double back, do a, do a, you know, a lot of twisting and turning, whatever. Uh, May ends up, they're all in the car. May grabs Sarah and jumps out the back window and sort of protects her from the fall. And then they kind of roll and then they start running and she's obviously catching on fire and Homer as they're both running out. toward Caleb. Again, I don't know. I don't know why Homer is so obsessed with this. He like jumps no, out and runs after her and is like, Sarah, come back as he like burns. Yeah. The, him catching on fire is really gnarly. But yeah, I wanted Lance Hendrickson being like. Kid, there's plenty of fish in the sea. <laughs> Look, you're you're gonna be we fine. You're 150. Go you don't in the need next me to tell this. Towns and find 17 people. You're 150 years old. You don't need me to tell you this. Like you're fine. You're you're gonna be fine. Uh, but Homer ends up exploding, which also looks really it's, great. I I was not expecting an explosion. And then Jesse is driving the car toward them but he is also catching on fire and may he's jesse is sort of covered with a blanket so jesse ends up yes diamondback they sort of hold hands and thelma and louise at honeycomb (laughs) it's not the it's not the children's cereal you loon (laughs) they explode and i was like that's the ending the vampires all explode yeah yeah it's hocus pocus Nope, it's not the ending because we have the dumbest part, which is the second faker dumber ending, which is May gets a transfusion, wakes up from it, and everything's fine. I was so mad. I would not want to be a human again after living as a vampire as long as May has. She was only doing it for a I would not years. want to live with it. She's killed a person a day for several years. I don't think it's a person in a day, but she's killed more people than most people. She's killing multiple people per week for years you would never get over that your entire waking and sleeping life would be just remembering all of the people that you ate but they freeze frame on a hug and and that's the end why didn't she explode to to begin with the blanket i guess maybe uh, it's weak i'm not i'm not arguing that point but I do. I, oh, final thoughts wise, I do. I do like this movie. I do think there's a lot to like here. I think, as I said, it's it's really neat to see Catherine Bigelow, who becomes a director who made a lot of really great stuff, sort of in the early days. In the same way, I like watching Evil Dead and watching the way that Sam Raimi and his friends cooked up a movie together. This obviously significantly higher budget, significantly higher effects budget, oh, etc., yeah. etc. But it's it's cool. It's cool to see the talent just sort of bubbling out of a person before they've really honed it. I, I like I like watching that stuff. So I, I would recommend this, although, like I said, it's impossible to find this. You're going to have to bootleg it if you want it or pay, pay a lot of money for a Blu-ray. But I do like a lot of this. I, Bill Paxton is amazing. At the very least, do yourself a favor and find the bar scene on like YouTube or Vimeo or something. Because that scene, again, yeah. it could be its own short film. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think it rules. Would you recommend this overall or are you are you sort of in the middle it's, on it? It's 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 soft. It's hard to find and it's yes. on the it's on the sort of middling side. So it's a soft soft recommend, but again that that bar scene is worth the price of admission. Yeah, if nothing else, one you know, Bill Paxton is just so good in it that it's it's, you know, one True. that you'd want to you want to see for that reason. Um yeah, so you know, give that a give that a, a whirl if you've got the time and are still in a spooky mood here in November. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, and you can tweet at us at Dissect the Eighties. You can also find us at dissectingtheeighties.com, which has all sorts of information about the show and back episodes and all that good stuff. Don't forget if you haven't rate the show, rate the show, please. We got that mean one and it's still left a bad taste in our mouth. So if you have something nice to say, we'd love to hear it. If you don't have something nice to say, I, I really would be fine if you kept it to yourself. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but go ahead leave whatever review you want to leave. Uh, and uh, if you like the show, tell two friends, that's the best way to hear about new podcasts. And we, we don't plug that enough. So make sure you tell two friends. If you, if you like the show, we will be back in two weeks to close out no vampire with a movie that has no vampire. To celebrate T. Hanks giving our favorite holiday. Uh, and we are going to do Tom Hanks's one and only spooky role, The Burbs, which I cannot wait to talk about with you. It's got so I've much stuff we love. Oh, man, I'm so excited for you then. This this is this is cool. There's so much stuff that we love. Uh, you got Dick Miller. You got Corey Feldman. Always you got Tommy Hanks. Time. Joe Dante directed this. There's a lot of li- there's a lot to like here. I'm excited to dig into it with you until. Then, though, uh, go check out the old episodes and all that fun stuff or visit the patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. You can hear our Lost Boys episode for that other vampire movie from 1987 and a whole bunch more. Check that out and see if there's something there for you. Thank you once again for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.